You're listening to Mysteries Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss the Salem Witch Trials. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mystery Still Unsolved. I am so excited to be here with all of you today, and I'm even here with a special little sidekick, my little buddy, my daughter. She's not really going to talk very much in the episode, but she will be here. Riley, do you want to come say hi? Yes. Hi. So my name is Rylan. Oh, yeah, that's true. Go ahead. (laughs) And... I am eight years old. Yep. And what grade are you in? I'm in third grade. And Rylan, what is your favorite holiday? Definitely Halloween. And what do you like about Halloween? The witches. Yes. We were talking earlier about what is a better mascot for Halloween, ghosts or witches, and Rylan said hands down what? witches. Yes, you cannot think about Halloween without witches. Um, So yes, normally I don't have my kids with me in the room when I'm recording. However, my daughter has always wanted to sit in on one of my podcast recordings. She's never really listened to an episode or anything like that. Um, And I figured this is kind of like a mild episode in comparison to the other things that I um, talk about on here. So it's just kind of like an impromptu bring your daughter to work day. So uh, Riley, thank you for being here. Do you want to say goodbye for now? Goodbye for now. Yep, she's going to be here. She'll pop back in right when we're closing and wrapping up. Okay? Awesome. Okay, so not only is this a very exciting episode, just because I feel like all of my episodes are exciting, it is the very first episode of this year's annual Halloween series. Um, I have been hard at work researching cases that I felt would be perfect for this very spooky time of year. I guess one could potentially argue that any case that I covered would fit into the Halloween category. However, this month I am being super intentional, super careful, super mindful of the cases that I felt would best capture the Halloween spirit which makes sense considering today's topic. I felt the Salem Witch Trials would be the perfect place, the perfect kickoff to start, because not only are witches one of the classic Halloween characters, um, but also Hocus Pocus 2 came out last week, and so I feel like witches and Salem Witch Trials are very much on the forefront of people's minds right now, and so I'm just going to like tap into that, you know, just tap into that energy. Uh, Before we dive into the Salem Witch Trials, we do need to address a little bit of housekeeping. If you are not already following me on Mystery Still Unsolved on Instagram, you tote should. Um, It is there that I post pictures and videos of the cases that we cover. You can comment your thoughts, your theories, your opinions on all of the cases. Do you feel like there's an angle that I missed? If so, tell me about it on there. I would love to hear about it. I promise not to be offended. Um, Every once in a blue moon, or should I say a full moon when the witches conjure, I'll pop on over in stories and we'll have a little one-sided chat. 
I know. I know. I know. I need to be better about doing lives. I just, I don't know. I just hate them. (laughs) There's just so much pressure and it literally gives me so much anxiety. It's possible that it could be a resolution for me next year, but don't hold your breath. Um, If Instagram ain't your thing, no problem. I got you. Visit my website at www.mysterystillunsolved.com. There you can binge my now 92 episodes. I know. I am so close to the 100th episode. I can almost taste it and it tastes like Halloween candy. (laughs) Um, Soon we will have a merch pre-order open and so you might just want to get yourself acquainted with my website so that you will know what to do whenever that time comes. As always, send me case suggestions. I actually got a few this past week and I am plugging those babies into my calendar. I love covering cases that you are passionate about, so please never hesitate to send me a case. If for some reason I don't cover your case, like please don't take it personally, it's most likely that I looked into it and there just wasn't enough content to create a 30-minute episode, but I promise you that every single case that you send me, I do personally look into myself. Um, Sometime this month, I'm not saying when, I'm going to host a spooky Halloween giveaway. So please stay tuned. Okay. All right. I think that that's it for today's housekeeping. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer, especially since we only have until the black flame candles light is spent. So let's get to it. Okay. So to kind of get you in the mindset of a Puritan during this time period, I just want to start the episode with the Penal Code of Massachusetts in 1692, at the time that these trials kind of began. So the Penal Code is sort of like a hierarchy of crimes that were just not to be tolerated in Salem. So just get a gist of this list. It goes as follows. Number one, idolatry better not be worshiping any false idols. Number two, witchcraft, better not be worshiping the devil. Three, blasphemy, you better not be pretending that God's not real or saying anything bad about him. Um, Four, murder. Yeah, fourth on the list. You can see where people's priorities lie. Uh, The human, like the innocent, the brutal taking of innocent life is number four on this list. I think that that just is not, that's weird. Anyways, five, poisoning. And I'm assuming, hopefully, any form of attempted murder. Um, so yeah, that's on the list. And six, uh, last but not least, bestiality. So yeah, witchcraft was number two on the list and two slots ahead of murder. There was something in between witchcraft and murder. Um, so if witchcraft was Ron Burgundy it would say, I'm kind of a big deal. (laughs) Uh, The Salem witch trials were a series of hearings and prosecutions of people accused of witchcraft in colonial Massachusetts between February 1692 and May of 1693. More than 200 individuals were accused, 30 people were found guilty, and 19 of those 30 were ultimately executed. It's also believed that a further 13 people died in jail while waiting a trial that never came. 
The Salem Witch Trials are considered a unique period of hysteria in American history, and we cannot talk about the Salem Witch Trials without talking about mass hysteria. Um, it is the only case of legitimate witch trials in America. It's a bit of a blemish on our otherwise untarnished slate, I know. I hope you could sense the sarcasm in my voice in that last statement, but I know at times my acting can be far too realistic and believable, so I do want to state for the record that that was a joke. <laughs> I know that we have a lot of blemishes on our American history, um, but like I was saying, the Salem Witch Trials is considered a huge stain on our history and Massachusetts as a whole, um, and Massachusetts was actually, you know, obviously embarrassed about it as well since... All records of the trials, any like documentation that we have of like the exact wording in those trials has essentially been erased from history, leaving us couch potato sleuths and historians to wonder and make our best guesses as to what in the holy hell happened with, you know, all of that. Um, lest you think that anything was fair game when it came to the Salem Witch Trials, I want you to know that there was criteria that you had to meet in order for the evidence to count at a witch trial. And by the way, I'm using the term evidence very loosely. Again, my Academy Award winning acting skills have duped you if you fell for that. Um, the Massachusetts court relied on three types of evidence. Number one, confession. Duh. Two, the testimony of at least two eyewitnesses to the acts of witchcraft in question. And three, spectral evidence, which is essentially when afflicted people were having their fits, they would interact with an unseen assailant, the apparition of the witch tormenting them. According to my research, a supposed witch was never put to death based on spectral evidence alone, which is nice, I guess. Um, there had to be other evidence, one, no, number one or number two, that the court didn't feel could be faked or fabricated. Okay, so how did all of this witchy business begin? Because of the deep Puritan ties of the Massachusetts colony involved in the witch trials, I would be absolutely remiss if I ignored the glaringly obvious elephant in the room, which is the Christian religion. Um, the law of the Salem witch trials being, quote, if any man or woman be a witch that is hath consulted with a familiar spirit, they should be put to death, end quote. They base this law on scriptural texts that can be found in Exodus and Leviticus. They cited the 700 BC version of Exodus, um, I think it's chapter 22, verses, verse 18, which states, quote, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, end quote. In the same edition, Leviticus offers a punishment which says, quote, witches and wizards shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones, their blood shall be upon them, end quote. Contrary to what you know, popular culture would have you believe. The Massachusetts colony, the Salem witch trials, they never burned witches at the stake. Um, they did issue tests like, can you recite the Lord's Prayer? Does the spectral evidence cease when the affected touches the inflictor, etc.? Um, and while they didn't burn anyone at the stake, they 
did hang the accused. So as you can see, there's a lot of mystery, intrigue, and rumors surrounding the Salem witch trials, most likely because all of the court hearings were destroyed, but this was a very real thing. It seems as though in that period of Massachusetts history, you were not innocent until proven guilty. Most accusations of witchcraft resulted in acquittals before ever making it to trial, but if it was believed you were a witch and you actually made it to your trial, you knew there wasn't any way out of this besides a death sentence. Like, that was just well known. Um, the Salem witch trials divided the small Salem community. Neighbor was testifying against neighbor. Children were testifying against their parents. Husbands against wives. Children died in prison while awaiting their trials. Families and ancestry lines were completely destroyed and obliter obliterated. It's also interesting to note that the accusers and all the alleged victims came from a small group of girls all between the ages of 9 and 19, which begs the question, were these young girls just incredibly bored and it got out of hand? <laughs> so with that, let's talk about the origin, the who, if you will. In January 1692, nine-year-old Elizabeth Paris, that's, that's not too much older than you, Rylan. So this all started with a girl just a little bit older than you. In 1692, 9-year-old Elizabeth Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams began exhibiting some bizarre and unexplainable behavior. Elizabeth and Abigail were the daughter and niece of well-respected Samuel Paris, an ordained minister and reverend. The two girls' behavior included making odd sounds and screaming incessantly, contorting their bodies and throwing objects, which seems just about like any time my daughter throws a hissy fit because I took a screen device away from her. But remember, these are Puritans in 1692 and children were supposed to be seen and never heard. So this would probably be a rather big and unexplainable deal. Elizabeth and Abigail reported that an invisible entity was biting and pinching them, causing them to react in this obnoxious manner. Soon, other girls in Salem began acting similarly. Is this because little girls learned of essentially a free pass on acting crazy and took advantage of it? Possibly. Probably. According to the only doctor in Salem who, get this, could read but didn't know how to write, let that just sink in for two shakes, a doctor, the only doctor in Salem, could read but he couldn't write attributed the girl's behavior to supernatural causes. On February 9th, 1692, after two magistrates in the town pressured the two girls, Elizabeth and Abigail, to put names to the people afflicting them and causing these outbursts, the two girls relented and accused three women of causing this bizarre behavior. One, Sarah Osborne, two, Sarah Good, and three, Tichuba. Ah. Uh. So cute. It's like one of the first instances in American history where a confession was most likely completely coerced between because two men in authority told two little girls that they had to. It would not be the last time. Shocker. I know, but I can tell you that much. Uh, both Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne would proclaim their innocence and eventually be put to death for their crimes. However, major plot twist 
Tichuba, Reverend Paris's own slave, never denied being a witch and admitted that she had been the one afflicting the young girls. She said, quote, the devil came to me and bid me serve him, end quote. Apparently, she began by telling the young girls stories and folklore of witches before she inevitably began casting spells on them. It goes without saying that there are many who believe, myself included, that Tichuba's confession was a farce and that she must have been like tortured or threatened in order to say what she said. But based on my research, Tichuba's testimony was the longest and most elaborate of any of the accused. Tichuba detailed versions of um, of stories including visions of eerie animals uh, like red and black cats, yellow birds, black dogs, which led many animals to also be murdered in order to rid Salem of all of its evil spirits, witches or animals. Most importantly, Tichuba insisted that there were other witches in Salem who, you know, belonged to her coven and that they were all working together to do the devil's bidding and harm the Puritans in Salem. This caused pandemonium in the town, to say the least. And literally, I cannot think of a better way to like describe what happened other than it became a witch hunt. By all accounts, Tichuba was very accommodating to the officers and the judges, and she apparently even went blind at one point, which led many to believe that she was being punished by the devil himself for going against his wishes. They believed that this just showed Tichuba was at least trying to fight the devil, and for that reason, while the Puritans, you know, of course, feared Tichuba, they also felt she was part of a noble cause and that she was ending her evil doings with the devil and coming again back to God, which probably explains why after one year and three months in jail, Tijuba was acquitted of all of her charges and was the last of the accused to be released. In May 1692, Governor William Phipps established the court of Oyer and Terminer, who would be the official court to take on witch trial cases. In a trial where eight girls were supposedly being affected by witchcraft, Bridget Bishop, an older woman who was known as being the town's immoral gossip, was standing trial for being a witch. One person warned during her trial that she was going to affect a victim, and then one girl in the audience began acting strangely and had to be physically removed from court. Bridget was later convicted and hung for her crimes. From July to September, 18 more people were found guilty and executed. In fact, a Harvard-educated minister by the name of George Burroughs was accused by other alleged witches of being their mastermind. The claims made against Burroughs went from bizarre to just freaking nuts. Accusers testifying in court said that he was biting them as they spoke on the stand and would then reveal a fresh bite mark on their body. Another girl claimed that they could see the spirits of Burroughs' deceased wives in the courtroom. She said that their faces were bright red like blood and that they were thirsting for the justice that they had never received in life against their husband. The very own chief justice of Burroughs' trial. So yeah, that guy in the white wig sitting in the box like 
five feet taller than everybody else, who is supposed to have an unbiased opinion, accused Burroughs of owning and using an invisibility cloak, which was gifted to him from the devil. Poor Burroughs. Like, here you are, this college-educated man, and you're relying on quite possibly the only other college-educated man to provide some voice of reason, and then your essentially only saving grace starts spouting that he saw you with this devil's crafted invisibility cloak. <laughs> like, I can only imagine in that moment, he was like, well, I'm toast. <laughs> Burroughs was convicted and sentenced to death. Before he was hung, they asked Burroughs if he had any last words. In what I'm guessing was a final attempt to prove his innocence, Burroughs recited the Lord's Prayer without any mistakes, something which was believed impossible if one was a witch, because witches were not supposed to be able to do that. This sowed the seeds of doubt amongst the crowd and quite possibly began the beginning of the end of the Salem witch trials. Maybe, just maybe, they had been wrong about this whole witchy thing. Uh, you think? Oh my gosh, like this is so ridiculous. Um, in 1693, a judge petitioned the governor begging him to end this madness once and for all. And it was right about this time that the governor Phipps' own wife was brought in for interrogation because apparently a young girl in town had accused her of being a witch. And as you can imagine, it wasn't too long after that that a bunch of people were released from prison. No more accusations were taken seriously. So no more arrests. And the court created by the governor that would handle these sorts of cases was entirely disbanded. Um, another thing important to know is that the Salem witch trials differed from other witch trials in the world's global history because the accusers were mostly women in this circumstance. Historically, men had almost always been the accusers. Don't like your sister? Just say she's a witch. That girl your parents betrothed you to that you think is kind of ugly because she's got like a big gap in her teeth? a witch. Your wife that you've gotten tired of and you want a new girlfriend? Witch. Witch, 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 witch. Also, again, let's just reiterate that all of the girls accusing people of witchcraft were between the ages of nine and 19. I don't think there's any other instance in history where we could say that a bunch of high school kids or my daughter and a bunch of her friends got together and spread a rumor that killed a bunch of people. I don't think we take that seriously today, hopefully, but I don't have much hope for humanity most of the time. So maybe, who knows? Um, I'd like to think that society, we've gotten smarter and we no longer pay any mind to stupid children. How do you feel about that, Rylan? Sad. Just kidding. There are instances that we should listen to and believe children. The Salem Witch Trials just happens to not be one of those instances. All of the people executed for being witches during the Salem Witch Trials were not given a proper burial with their religious rites. They were all buried in unmarked graves somewhere 
around in Salem. They didn't even get the dignity of being buried with other, um, like at the cemetery with other family members or humans. Um, most ghost historical tours in Salem claimed the majority of people were buried on Gallows Hill, close to where, you guessed it, the Gallows was located. Apparently, Gallows Hill has an onslaught of ghosty activity, but today we're talking witches. Maybe the next time we'll talk about the ghosty activity. So why? Why did this all happen? I mean, we've, of course, already touched base on the theory of just sheer boredom. Like, these people didn't have TV. They didn't have the internet. These little girls were bored. They weren't allowed to speak. <laughs> they were, like, not supposed to speak unless spoken to. Um, it's possible that they were playing a game, saw that it gave them a lot of attention and, in essence, a lot of power. So, perhaps they rolled with it. And I honestly can't say I blame them because not only did kids have it rough, but women and girls had it super rough. So I could understand them being like, they have this power suddenly and they're not used to having it. And they just kind of go like buck wild with it. Um, there is a behavioral scientist by the name of Linda Caparel who suggests a positive alternative explanation. She says that there is a fungus called ergot that affects wheat and rye, something that the Puritans were growing in abundance in Salem at the time. This ergot fungus fungus, when you are exposed to it and you either ingest it or breathe in its vapors, you can get something called convulsive ergotism. Convulsive ergotism can cause hallucinations similar to those induced by like partaking in LSD. It can cause muscle contractions similar to like grand mal seizures. It can cause vertigo and like these crawling and tingling sensations on your skin. However, while I love this theory, the girls did not exhibit the tell, like the tall, I don't know how to say it, the telltale sign, the telltale sign. This is what I get for being um, raised by somebody not from the U.S. I don't know, like these little phrases and things. Um, they didn't get the most notable symptom of the disease, which is disintegrating fingertips. So while as a behavioral science major, I appreciate trying to attribute what happened here um, to something besides like bitches be crazy sometimes, I don't think it's going to necessarily hold up. I think it's more likely that some girls got bored, like the attention, or didn't want to get in trouble, so they fabricated like this wild idea. And then the next theory, mass hysteria ensued. One man in the community offered that Reverend Paris concocted this whole thing. He got his daughters to go along with it. He threatened his slave Tachuba to participate because his socio-political power at the time was dwindling. And this kind of like uptake of attention and power would give him the upper hand as he was essentially the gatekeeper of the witch that was like spilling all of her secrets. So basically just a huge conspiracy created by a man of privilege and power to control people. Well, surely that can't be it, because as we all know, that's never happened before and would be absolutely preposterous. Sarcasm. In 1957, which was like almost like 300 years after this all happened, the state of Massachusetts finally, publicly, 
apologized for the Salem witch trials. Is it too late now to say sorry? Yes. Um, I'm sure that that meant a lot to the victims' immediate families who are, you know, no longer alive. Um, and in 1992, the year my brother was born, there was a witch trial memorial monument set up. It was dedicated by a Holocaust survivor, which I think is actually quite nice and fitting. Um, these two instances do have a lot of similarities. I mean, albeit they're completely different, but basically it's two groups of people being used as scapegoats and they, you know, paid the ultimate price for it. So I think it was really nice of them to get that Holocaust survivor to dedicate the monument for this occasion. Um, the memorial is 20 benches, each one with the name of the individual who was executed for being a supposed witch. That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me and participating in the first episode of my third annual Halloween series. I hope you enjoyed this little recap of the Salem Witch Trials. You know, before compiling this episode together, I thought I knew everything about the Salem Witch Trials, but even I learned something, so I'm hoping that you did too. Did you learn anything, Rylan? Yes. What did you learn? I learned um, about um, how the witch trials even started. Yeah, yeah. And we still don't know for sure, but we've got some pretty good ideas. Um, I can honestly say I'll probably never look at a witch the same again or Massachusetts. I'm looking at you. I'm never going to look at you the same again. Um, truth is, though, my, ancestor, my ancestors lived in Massachusetts during this time albeit in a place called Dedham, which is about 45-minute drive from Salem. So they were probably just as wackadoodle-doo as the people I was just talking about. Um, but yeah, that's that's a fun fact that I don't think I've ever mentioned before. So um, just so you know, if you Google the Fairbanks house, Fairbank, um, F-A-I-R-B-A-N-K-S, um, is my maiden name, you can read all about my ancestors because it's actually the oldest surviving timber frame house in North America, and it's open for public tours from May to October. So while my family, my ancestors, was probably batshit crazy, we still kind of are, um, when it comes to all this spooky hullabaloo, damn it, you can never accuse us of not building a great house. We never built a shoddy house, never. Um, holy hell, that's a long time for a house to be up like that. Um, I did actually visit the Fairbanks house once when I was a kid. I don't think we were able to tour it, but that would be a really fun thing to do with my family. I actually really want to, and I think I've mentioned it on this podcast before, I really want to go to Salem and explore and go on like some witch tours and some ghost tours. So maybe I'm going to have to add the Fairbanks house to, as like a little detour from my witchy sleuthing. It'd be nice. Um, anyway, personal rant over. Sorry about that, guys. I like had a squirrel moment. Um, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved and push that notification bell. Ding, 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 so you never miss a single spooky episode. Um, feel free to visit my website, www.mysterystillunsolved.com and binge all of my glorious 92 episodes. Um, do you want to know how to further support this podcast? Of course you do. Tell a true crime loving friend or family member about me and don't feel isolated to the term friend or family. 
it's not all inclusive. Tell a Halloween city employee while you're getting your costume. Tell your hairdresser, your pedicurist, the trick-or-treaters that stop by your house later this month. When you're going to a haunted house attraction and one of those ghouly goops pops out and yells, boo, respond with, hey, you look like someone who would enjoy a little true crime. Listen to the Mystery Still Unsolved podcast. But the best way to support this podcast will continue to be always and forever joining me next week when together we'll discover did anyone ever place a useful tip has justice prevailed or is the mystery still unsolved <laughs>